Hello everyone and welcome back to Hoops Weekly. It's been a minute again, but now we can do exactly what we wanted and exactly what this podcast was meant for, which is literally the review the week in Hoops. Finally, the NBA started in the bubble and everything seems to be going okay. I mean, there's no positive tests, which is po- which is obviously positive. Um, the NBA has definitely managed this really well. And I found the basketball games very exciting and very fun to watch. A lot of them are very close. The NBA definitely started off rusty, but stuff stuff definitely started to take a good turn. The only difference is obviously the intensity late game. You see like close games that are going to overtime and stuff like that. You can definitely feel it between the players, but you need that crowd to kind of amp it up a little bit, give you that playoff vibe. I really hope they do something before the playoffs to kind of change it up a bit because I do want to get more energy. I do want to get more excited. It kind of pulls fans more towards the game. That whole Zoom thing, it can't really change that much. Um, But all in all, I think great job. Um, Yeah, but let's get right into it Um, with our first topic, actually just the phoenix suns i think this is something that no one expected coming into this bubble i mean they were a team they were 13th i believe coming into this bubble and they are now on a five game winning streak now take in mind that um jimmy butler did not play today the suns still won though and they are definitely looking like a, a potential candidate to actually steal that eighth seed Obviously, I still have Portland still going like going through. I think they're a terrific team. I think Damian Lillard has been playing at all-time levels. I think he should have been in that like top three of these of the MVP um, voters instead of James Harden because he has kind of been on a decline in 2020. Regardless, though, I think the Suns could definitely make a push for that ninth seed and potentially move into a playoff spot. Devin Booker is playing at an all-time best right now. Um, he looked like Kobe against the Clippers with that game winner. It was actually, it was actually kind of insane. Now you could obviously argue that team schedules haven't been too, too hard, too easy, but the Suns have been playing teams like the Clippers. They've been playing teams like the Heat. I mean, that's a hard enough schedule for me to kind of like validate what they're doing right now. And they're, they're looking more whole. They're playing much better basketball. Their offense is flowing a lot better. Their defense still needs some work. But like a lot of other teams, like the Denver Nuggets, you could still succeed off of having a good offense. And I'm actually really proud of what I'm seeing. It actually, it makes it, it makes it look a lot more entertaining when a team's actually trying to play. Because they actually have something to play for. They were never guaranteed a playoff spot. They were the worst team coming into this, like record-wise. And they're definitely putting a nice, a nice spin on things. Um... They're definitely a positive outcome that came out of this, and I hope they continue. And imagine they actually go A to No. That that would be pretty surprising, but that would be pretty fun to watch. It kind of reminds me of the start of the season when Phoenix started off um, insane and were like a top five Western Conference team, and they were battling against teams like the Nuggets, teams like the Clippers, and they were going like toe to toe with them. And everyone thought that Phoenix was finally going to be an amazing team and not an embarrassment. And Devin Booker finally found his way. But then obviously stuff started going down. They got really lucky to be selected as a 13th seed coming into this um, NBA restart. But I'm definitely getting these like start of the season vibes. And I got to say that I was kind of a bandwagon for them. Like I, I wanted to see them win. I want to see them win now. I still can't see them getting past teams like the Portland Trailblazers, but they are amazing competition, 
and you never know what can happen in the future. I'm actually really excited to see um, their potential. Um, moving on to our second topic, we have the Toronto Raptors. I was going to have a lot of positive stuff to say about the Raptors. We started off Kyle Lowry, 33 points, 14 rebounds, right? Like, the Raptors beat the Lakers by 15. Then they beat the Heat. They were up by, like, 15, 17 points. But, you know, they closed it out nicely. That's a good thing about the Raptors. They're a second-half team, unlike a lot of first-half teams, like the like the Dallas Mavericks, for example. They know how to close out games. Not throwing any shade. It's just that the Mavericks should have beat Houston that one time. Simple as that. Regardless, though, um, they were beating Orlando. Kind of struggled towards the end. The game really ended off free throws um, from what I could see. But, god damn. That game against the Celtics was disgusting. I'm pretty sure that that was one of the worst Raptors games I've ever seen in my life. I think the one time I can recall in the past five years that they played a worse game was against the Warriors in 2015 when they were losing by like 50 at one point and taking that the Raptors were still like revolving around, around 50 wins. So they were still a good team. And this was the Warriors' first time being like a 60-plus win team. Um, and the Warriors absolutely destroyed them at home. And this is exactly what happened. Like right through the get-go, like the Raptors' tempo was terrible. They weren't able to score. You had no one that really stood out. Like, throughout the whole game, Kyle Lauer and Fred Van Vliet led the team in scoring based off of free throws. Jason Tatum was absolutely toying with them. Same with Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown. Like, they've just been shooting the ball so efficiently lately that it just makes it look so easy to shoot from three at this point. And a funny thing is, I realized with the restart, is that teams are shooting worse, like, a worse percentage from the free throw line without a crowd. But they're shooting better three-pointers, which which is a very odd stat to me. But especially you could see with Jalen Brown. Now, I saw this video that actually connected to it. And because um, this whole dynamic with the crowd and like NBA arenas and stuff like that, it's actually easier to score threes for some players, which is why it's not as big of a shock that players like TJ Warren are scoring 50 points. I think that's kind of ridiculous because... Any player like TJ Warren, who's just your average player putting up 50 points, is kind of shocking. I don't think it's easier to score threes, but you could definitely see that teams are scoring them at a higher rate. Like, the Clippers just scored, like, 20 threes in a game against the Pelicans. So, a lot of stuff is going on. All I have to say is that I'm disappointed, but I'm not scared. I know that the Raptors are just trying to hold it out. They've kind of secured that second-place spot. With a win against Memphis tomorrow, the Toronto Raptors are automatically a second seed. Which means that we'll either play Orlando or Brooklyn, which is two matchups that I could definitely see us sweeping in. I definitely don't want us to fall into third, because then we have to play the Philadelphia 76ers. I don't trust our team against Philadelphia. Philadelphia is a team that, despite struggling, I definitely like always saw them as like a championship contender. Even without Ben Simmons, which I hope that surgery goes well. I think the Sixers could still possibly beat us in like seven games, because Embiid is, a, is the best center in the league. A lot can happen through that. I just need us to be safe. And I need us to beat Memphis because it's very important for the Raptors to make it to at least the second round. Have like a solid toe-to-toe series with Boston so we can like call it a decent season. Right? Because after what I saw yesterday, I don't even know if we could beat Boston. Jason Tatum was absolutely terrific yesterday. And sometimes it just takes like the takes a player versus your team for you to realize how good he actually is same thing happened to me with clay thompson last year in the finals 
I didn't think Clay Thompson was that good of a player. I definitely saw him as like a top five shooting guard, but like until that final series against the Raptors, I never looked at him as that special. And then seeing the Warriors without him and with him really make you really makes you realize how efficient he is and how much he does for the team, not just on the offensive end, but on the defensive end as well. With his consistent shooting, his perimeter defense, he's just terrific. And it's kind of going off topic here, but he definitely, I really hope he could come back and turn this Warriors team into what we all want to see next year, which is like a top three team, a contender again. But yeah, it's basically what I'm seeing out of uh, Jason Tatum. There was so much hype around him that I never really saw. I never really understood it. But then after yesterday, it's definitely like this guy is the best player on this Celtics team. Where until that point yesterday, I probably thought that Kemba Walker was the best player on the team. Simply because Kemba Walker was coming off a 25-5-5 season with Charlotte. Um, but yeah, the Celtics kind of scared me yesterday. I really hope I don't have to see a loss like that again because we have a couple of tough games. After Memphis, we're playing the Bucks, we're playing Philly, and we're playing Denver. And I, we're probably going to come out around either one or in the last four games, one and three or two and two. I never expected the Raptors to be this good during this restart. It has been proven that we have the hardest schedule. If we can maintain that two seed, I, I'll take it as a huge accomplishment for this team. And... I just really hope that uh, we can sustain that. But moving on to our next topic, we have Lakers losing on purpose? Triple question mark? I mean, what is going on with the Los Angeles Lakers? I mean, first you lose to the Raptors by 15, where it looked like the whole team just completely gave up midway through the fourth quarter and just let OG Ananobi and Fred Van Vliet take over the game, along with Kyle Lowry. Then they lose to the Thunder by 19 points. No disrespect to the Thunder, but come on, like, really? And then they lose to the Rockets by 16. LeBron didn't play with a groin injury. And then they lose to the Pacers by 5 today. They've lost 4 games in this bubble. Now, obviously, they have no bad reason to. I mean, take in, they've secured the first seed. LeBron and AD... They're barely playing. You could tell. Their stats aren't even up to par on most on most occasions. They don't even have to play LeBron and AD. They could lose all of their games. They'd still be a first seed. They locked it. They don't want to risk those two players getting injured. But, like, it's so unentertaining. Like, come on. Really? Like, it's the Lakers. It's a team that probably, like, in the next, like, two years is going to pass the Knicks in as, like, the richest team in the league. The highest profitable team. And, like, you're seeing them play like this. Like, I know you're trying to spice it up for the playoffs, but, like, come on. Like, put in a little bit of effort. These are four games that you should be winning, and as a Raptors fan, we shouldn't have beat the Lakers by 15 points. The Thunder shouldn't beat the Lakers by 19. The Rockets with their small ball shouldn't beat the Lakers by 16. It's just stuff like that that kind of bothers me. And I get that they don't have to try, but that's the fact. That's the one thing that I hate about the end of the season is that players just stop trying. And it makes sense, though, because they don't have to... Because the teams don't want to risk them getting injured before, like, the important games. But give us a little bit of pizzazz, you know? Like, and, and the, the thing that bothers me the most is that LeBron and AD are playing. They're playing those games. LeBron missed that one game to a groin injury, but other than that, like, they have their core team. Yeah, Avery Bradley, they're starting, they're starting backward players not playing, but how much of a difference can that make? You have players that can recover for you on the defensive end. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I hope that they're not losing. I hope that they are losing on purpose because seeing a play, it, like, Seeing them play like that at play at a playoff level, they might not even make it past the first round. 
there's a lot of people saying Portland could end up beating them in that first round series, upsetting them. And to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised. I had Portland finishing as a top three seed this season, not knowing not knowing the amount of injuries they'd have to face. And they're looking really, really good. If Damian Lillard didn't choke that game against the Clippers today, they would probably they they probably would have secured that eighth seed. So they're looking really scary. I think the Lakers is a bad matchup for them. The Lakers and the Clippers are the two teams that they can't beat. They could beat every other team in that Western Conference in the seven-game series. So that's not really a place you want to be in. But it, the Lakers are going to be the team that they're going to face. And if the Lakers keep playing like this, Portland should probably win that series in about six or seven games. <laughs> Which just goes to show how good the Lakers are when they could be playing this bad and getting blown out by the Thunder. And still losing like seven games to Portland. But it is what it is. I think LeBron is definitely going to take it up a level. We might see a different breed of LeBron. Um, And yeah. I'm excited. And I'm nervous at the same time. Just a fact. Moving on to the next topic. We have the Indiana Pacers and TJ Warren. This had to be talked about. I don't think anyone could have seen this coming. 53 points. And everyone's like, you know what? Yeah, this happens. Like, they were shocked, but they were like, every year you just have that random that just scores 50 points. You had Mo Williams a couple years ago, Terrence Ross, Corey Brewer. Like, players like that, that you just don't really expect it because they're role players. They're players that aren't that, aren't that good. TJ Warren is like a starting, like, shooting guard small forward, a six-man at times. No one really expected him to be scoring at volumes like this, especially on a Pacers team that has players like um, Sabonis, Oladipo, and Brogdon, and Miles Turner to help on to help on the offensive end. But this guy is just slanging. He's putting up 53, 34, 33, 32 today against the Lakers. Like this is just unbelievable what we're seeing from him. He is the best offensive player on in the NBA right now. Like in the bubble, and you're putting up, you're putting him up against guys like James Harden, like Devin Booker and Kawhi Leonard. But he, he's insane. He's efficient. He's shooting over 55% from the field. He's grabbing rebounds. He's averaging around five rebounds a game. You can't expect a guy averaging 30 points to average more like more than five assists a game. That's why James Harden averaging six assists a game is actually mind blowing. The Pacers are okay, right? They're losing some of their games, but the games that they're losing are really tight. They're never getting blown out. And they just beat the Lakers today, which is a statement win. I think they'd actually make a... If Victor Oladipo can come back to his form, which he doesn't even need to now that they have TJ Warren scoring 30 a game, but if he can even be like as good as scoring 15 points a game, Malcolm Brogdon can turn into the playmaker that we saw at the start of the season. They could pose a very, very good matchup for the Heat. I had the Heat beating them in five or six games simply because Jimmy Butler can change the dynamic so fast. I had them in six, but the Pacers can probably take the series to seven or even win. And um, I think it's really important for... Um, uh, yeah, and if the Pacers can continue playing at this level and keeping games close with those high-level teams, I wouldn't be surprised if they can make it to the second round and even pose a threat to the Milwaukee Bucks. That's how far I could see them going after seeing this stuff. And I'm not just riding the hype train. Well, I am, but there's a lot of potential in what we're seeing. <laughs> you never know. He might even become an all-star. 
this Pacers Heat series, now that I think about it, could become very, very heated because taking that Jimmy Butler and TJ Warren had that rivalry at the start of the year, and they could be going back and forth, especially seeing TJ Warren scoring 30 points a game on Jimmy Butler now. That, that could get pretty sweaty. That could get pretty nice. The final topic we have, and I think the most interesting one that we kind of talked about before with the Suns, is the Wraiths for eighth. Let, let's let, let's take a little let's take a little look at the at the teams. In eighth right now, you have the Memphis Grizzlies. Joel Morant's taking a big load. Um, Jaron Jackson Jr. sadly got hurt. He's done for the year. That is a huge loss for them, and that opens up the gate for so many teams to pass them now. Because Jaron Jackson Jr. was their second best player, he's their second best scorer, he takes a lot, a lot of stuff with him when it comes to the game. He's a rebounder, he's a three-point shooter despite that ugly-ass form. Like, he is just a terrific, terrific player, and it's a huge loss for them. Players like Brandon Clark, Dylan Brooks, Jonas Valanciunas are going to have to provide a lot of offensive value. I just don't see them securing this 8th seed, to be honest. Because you have teams like Portland in ninth that are on their way. They're half a game. They're a game behind them. They're this close. And one like one failure by the Memphis Grizzlies in these next like three or four games that every team has left, it's done. Portland has that eighth seed. They have the advantage. They only need to win one game, and they're ready for it. You have players like CJ McCollum, Damian Lillard, Carmelo Anthony, Hassan Whiteside, Yusuf Nurkic. Th- this team is amazing. This team is phenomenal. There's a reason why I had them as a top three team. This is a great offensive team. Not great defensive team. But I would not be surprised if they destroy every team on their way. In 10th, kind of a shocker, we have the Phoenix Suns. Talked about them before. They're very fun to watch. I do want to see them win. I want to see Portland win more. But Phoenix would be a nice matchup. Like a nice mini series to have. Like that 8-9 Portland Portland Phoenix series at number 11 we have the San Antonio Spurs they're they're just playing San Antonio basketball you know they're losing games they're pretty close I think they're the best coach team out of these guys um Portland being the second best probably but there's they lost LaMarcus Aldridge there's not much DeMar DeRozan can do like he's gonna put in that 25 and 5 a night but other than that, like the San Antonio Spurs, the, I can't see them going farther than this. If Phoenix starts screwing up, maybe they can acquire that ninth seed and battle with Portland. Um, but I just can't see them. I, I just can't see them making the playoffs. And even if they do, the Lakers are not a great matchup for them. I think the only team that can really pose an entertaining one versus eight is Portland, which is why I want to see them win. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure how much my boy DeMar can do. At 12th, we have the Pelicans. This is a team that everyone thought was going to be in a ninth seed for sure. It was going to be an entertaining matchup for, to see them against either Portland or the Grizzlies, and they were going to win, taking that this team has Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, Derek Favors, and of course Zion. Oh wait, Zion. They're not even playing this guy. This guy plays less than 15 minutes a game. What are they doing? I am definitely getting a little bit suspicious. I can't lie. Like, he is your best player. He is a rookie that's averaging 23.7 rebounds a game. He's athletic. He's a generational talent. He's a guy that could take you to the playoffs and pose such a great matchup against the Lakers, against LeBron James. What are you guys doing? Why are you not playing him? And no one knows. If you saw Stephen A. Smith, he's skeptical. Like, it's just... 
it I, I I don't know what to think. They're definitely hiding from us. He might he might have an, a pre-existing condition that they're not telling us about that he's not telling us about. Something's fishy here. I, I don't know. This just doesn't make sense for me. And at number 13, it's the only obvious one. It's the Sacramento Kings. Like, no one really expected a lot from them. They're a decent team with De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald, Marvin Bagley. Like, I, I don't know what to say. The West is improving. The West is improving. Like, teams 1-13 to 13 are all decent teams. And taking that next year, Minnesota should be a decent team. Should be a great, a playoff a playoff contending team too. Because they have D'Lo, Cap, and they're going to get a, a top 5 draft pick. The Warriors are going to get a top 5 draft pick. And Klay Thompson and Steph are coming back from injury. This might be very interesting. You might have 15 good teams in the Western Conference. That's actually crazy. But Sacramento is the only shock. De'Aaron Fox is playing out of his mind, scoring about 30 points a game, but there's not much that De'Aaron Fox can do if Buddy Heald's not really showing up, and Marvin Bagley is not really showing up, and the rest of your core isn't showing up. We've seen this before. Russell Westbrook can only do so much, and the Thunder can only finish 6th in the West with Russell Westbrook averaging a triple-double. So... There's, there's there's really not much I can compare it to. With the easy schedule that they have, they're going to stay 12th or 13th, depending on if the Pelicans continue to make stupid decisions like not playing Zion Williamson. And essentially, yeah, they're the only team that I'm not really surprised. Like, they're going to stay where they are. They had a good run. They almost made the playoffs last year, which was kind of impressive. But I, I'm pretty sure this is the end of the road. Like, Sacramento is just going to become the new Phoenix Suns. They kind of already are. They're kind of a joke to the league. They're like the New York Knicks of the Western Conference at this point. Um, I wish they would. I wish they were better because um, it would make a very cool like California rivalry. Rivalry with like them, the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Warriors. Um, but I don't think that's going to happen for a very long time. There's a lot of emerging Western Conference teams. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens next year. This year is not going to be their year. As much as their Instagram and their media team trust to prove it will be. Yeah. Essentially, that is it. That is the week in hoops and the five most heated up topics, I guess I would say. Let's hope that next week is even better than this week and just continues getting better from here. Yeah. Let's go Raptors. All right. Peace out.